Hey everyone, this is Mike Skinner. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you'd ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. If this is your first time here, welcome. Um, We've actually been covering a sermon series called Puzzling Passages, Misused and Misunderstood. So far, we have covered Romans 13, 1 through 7, politics and submitting to governing authorities. Kind of a hot topic item in the climate right now. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15, women teaching and preaching. I'm very honored to be up here today. Although I fully expect Mike might receive one of those emails tomorrow asking, what were you thinking? Um, we've also covered Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for your life. The fourth most requested passage inquired about was the Proverbs 31 woman. I recently spoke on this passage at the women's retreat, which is why I'm up here. Um, and as a church who really does aim to make disciple-making disciples, many people have been on the stage, Zach, Michelle, Jake, um, Mike asked if I would speak about this passage. To be honest, I think he was just trying to dodge a bullet, <laughs> because this is a very difficult passage to speak on. So why is this passage puzzling? You know, I initially had framed it around the women's retreat theme, which was true beauty, um, You know, and when Mike asked me, I said, sure, you know, I can do that. And then I started thinking, wait, it doesn't really apply to the sermon series, so I need to do a little bit of work. So um, I did, and I came up with three reasons that this passage is misused and misunderstood for both men and women. So let's start with women. It is an old-fashioned concept, right? This doesn't really apply to today's day and age. This woman couldn't possibly exist today. Number two, it is an impossible standard. Even if you try, how can you measure up to this superwoman? Or maybe you're single, childless, or a widow. How does this apply? And number three, it places women in a subservient, submissive, or subordinate role. This woman has to be under her husband's thumb, or somehow is less important. Now, for men, number one, it means I don't have to do anything. Why would I need to lift a finger if I have an amazing wife who does everything? Or maybe uh, because my wife is righteous, therefore I am righteous. Number two, it is a godliness diagnostic test kind of like an instruction manual for how I need to train my wife up to be more holy. And three, a checklist of expectations. This is what my wife should be doing. Check, check, check. Kind of like a rigid one-size-fits-all mold. I believe these are the key areas that make this passage puzzling, which I hope to address today and back up with Scripture. So let's dive in. To the passage, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. If you are opening the hard black cover Bible in front of you, it is on page 552. 
a wife of noble character. Who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I don't know about you guys, but who feels inadequate compared to this woman? Men and women alike, right? She is a superwoman. Um, aside from Chris Watson, <laughs> I don't know any woman who is currently making clothes for her family. <laughs> Seriously, who laughs without fear of the future? And I suspect most of the women in this room, including myself, cringe at this seemingly perfect woman. She's set before us as an example of a beautiful Christian woman, but who can find her indeed? However, in Proverbs 31, if this woman stirs in us guilt that even on our best days we are lacking something, I believe we are not likely understanding this woman in the way that God designed. Now, in my Bible, the title of this section is Epilogue, the wife of noble character, and I totally googled what epilogue is. And it is defined as a section of speech at the end of a book or play that serves as a comment on or a conclusion to what has happened. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel so much better. These verses are the summarization of a fruitful life of a woman over many productive years highlighting faithful things she did at various times throughout her life. However, if we review this passage for a laundry list of to-dos, we miss the spirit and motivation 
that drives her. This passage is important because it's telling us something about the characteristics within this woman. Whether or not we are as gifted or as skilled in the same talents that she is. So what are these characteristics? Well, she's trustworthy. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Husbands, can you say that about your wives? She is competent and capable, and her husband trusts her contribution to their family's success. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life, even and especially when he might not deserve it. She guards his honor and does not speak unfavorably of him before others. Clearly, many can depend on her to keep the commitments that she makes. And she consistently manages the home and family affairs. I mean, she buys a field. I'm thinking this wasn't common during the time that this was written. That's a big deal. And that's a really powerful image of this woman's role in her family. So she's trustworthy. She's also hardworking. She works, period. Like, let me just repeat that. She works, ladies, inside and outside the home. She's not a chronic time waster. Rather, she fills her time with productive, helpful activity that not only benefits herself, but serves those around her and brings glory to God. Not only is she making linens for her bed, garments to sell and clothes for her family, she makes the yarn or the thread to make the clothes. So that passage, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. That is actually a reference to tools used to make thread or yarn. Isn't that fascinating? That's powerful. She's starting from the ground up, y'all. I know the idea of having servants is outdated, but look at how she treats her servants. She could very well require them to be doing the tasks that she's helping with while she sits back and relaxes, living a life of luxury. But that would bring about exactly what this woman doesn't practice, idleness. In fact, this woman is working alongside her servants. So she's trustworthy. She's hardworking. She's kind and caring. Verse 26 says, She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now, I always like um, going to different translations in the Bible because I feel like um, sometimes things are lost or, you know, sometimes they're just better portrayed in a more beautiful manner. And so other translations include the ESV, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And my favorite is the King James Version. Her tongue is the law of kindness. What if it was like a law to be too kind? crazy, right? So we also see evidence of the way she lives this truth by how she is recognized, honored, and called blessed by others. And she opens her hands to the poor and the needy. She is concerned with serving her family and others, and she brings a spirit of open-handed willingness to her work. So she is trustworthy. She's hardworking. She is kind and caring, and she's strong. This woman has physical strength. 
Her arms are strong for her tasks. I love that. But her workout probably never included the gym. But she was up and moving and tackling some very physically demanding tasks. A few years ago, wait, I say a few, it was probably a decade ago, <laughs> probably about 10 years ago, um, I did a study called Lioness Arising, and um, it's a beautiful study. And in a small group, uh, the Proverbs 31 came up in our, in our discussion. And I learned that uh, in verse 15, where it says food, that the, the, the Hebrew, the root word for that is actually pray. P-R-E-Y, prey. Like a lioness who hunts its prey at night and brings food to its cubs. This woman is fierce, right? She's a lioness. She is providing for her family. She's strong. She is a warrior, not a warrior. She clothes herself with strength and dignity, wearing it almost like an armor knowing that she can face any day. She is faithful and fearless, meaning she's faithful in her relationship with God. It is, it is full at capacity and laughs without fear of the future. So she lets fear be less in her life because she has so much faith. She's full of that instead. The end of this passage, verse 30 reveals the root of how everything preceding that point was accomplished. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This is the reason she is to be praised, because she fears the Lord. Interestingly enough, our scripture reading in Ruth this morning, there is only one other time the Hebrew phrase translated as excellent wife or wife of noble character or virtuous woman is recorded in scripture in Ruth. 3.11, she receives this excellent status as a widow with no husband and no children, scandalously laying at the feet of Boaz. Ruth appears to bear none of the marks of the virtuous woman enshrined in Proverbs 31. Yet she still makes the grade, at least in the eyes of the Lord and those of her second husband, Boaz. I believe there is a point when the story of Ruth and the description of the Proverbs 31 woman intersect. And that's at the beginning of Ruth in verses 1, 16 through 17. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from you she tells her mother-in-law. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. In this promise to Naomi, Ruth reveals herself to be wise, trustworthy, hardworking, kind, caring, and strong. But above all else, a woman who fears the Lord. She is wise. God meets us where we are and knows our heart. So back to what makes this passage puzzling. For women, is this passage an old-fashioned concept? Not at all. 
Proverbs 1, 7 says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This woman fears the Lord, meaning she has wisdom in all that she does. Mike actually told me that some scholars have suggested that this passage is the personification of wisdom. That's beautiful. Also, being wise and trustworthy, hardworking, kind, caring, and strong, those are timeless characteristic traits to live by, all of which are rooted in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, how these characteristics play themselves out will look a thousand different ways in a thousand different families, but the principles remain the same. These characteristics are not gender neutral. They are also not relationship status or circumstance dependent. Is this an impossible standard? If you look at it as a present tense translation, meaning you have to accomplish all that this woman has accomplished at this season in your life, then absolutely, you are setting yourself up to not meet that mark. And you might ask, how can emptying myself make me feel full? Because even if you're not doing all these things at this season in your life, you're going to do them at some point in your life. We must remember that in everything, we are seeking to glorify the Lord and serve him through our actions. And in that, we should do everything as best we can because he is worthy of much more than we can ever give him. It would be insulting to the great power and sacrifice of our Lord to give him anything less than everything we have. Our standard is not found in the Proverbs 31 woman. It's found in Jesus. Does this passage place women in a subservient or submissive role? Definitely not. To defend this, I I actually borrowed from Michelle's presentation at the women's retreat. I thought it was really powerful. Um, And she covered Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a a helper suitable for him. The Hebrew word used here for helper is ezer, E-Z-E-R. Ladies, memorize that. Mark it on your heart. Ezer. It comes from two root word meanings, to rescue and save and to be strong. So I think a better description would be, I will make a mighty helper suitable for him. The only other time Azir is recorded throughout scripture is when God comes as a helper during wartime or helpers are sent during wartime. Azir's. The Proverbs 31 woman is a partner to her husband. She picks up where he leaves off. She buys a field. She works inside and outside the home. She manages the finances. She's competent and compassionate, and she's recognized for that. She's strong in ways her husband could never be. I think that in our generation, we are culturally conditioned to try and prove that women can do everything a man can do. Come on, y'all, we already know we can. Okay? But we lose sight of our uniqueness and the things we can do that men can't. We are life givers. 
We are Aziers. We are mighty helpers. As equally human as men, women reflect God. Genesis 1.27, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So for men, does this passage mean I don't have to do anything? Well, here is what is revealed about this woman's husband. He has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. He is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders. And he calls her blessed and praises her. I love that really the only one of those three about the man is the middle one, how he takes his seat at the city gate, and the other two are about how he admonishes or needs his wife. I think that's awesome. The city gate is where the marketplace would have been. It was the center of commercial and legal transactions where leaders held court sessions, made important social and administrative decisions. It's where they would have displayed military power or victory over one's foe. So the city gate is a pretty big deal. This man must have been highly valued, experienced, wise and dignified, a man of integrity and noble character himself, to have qualified to serve among the elders of the land and be respected. No reasonable human society or community would give space to an irresponsible, wayward, unreliable, lazy, and unproductive male figure in the administration of state affairs. The text reveals that the wife's outstanding virtues only add to his being respected at the city gates. Nothing this woman was doing would have been outside of her husband's purview. And he probably would have been involved in all the work that she was involved in. Both of them held the appropriate posture towards the Lord their God. We know that our works are not our salvation, but our works are the fruit of growth that God has cultivated in our lives. I believe this text is meant to depict wise stewards who together, as equal strengths, play an integral part in reflecting the nature of God here on earth. Is this passage a godliness diagnostic test? Well, does this passage show godliness in this woman's life? Yes. Does it imply that it's a husband's responsibility to develop that? No. God shapes us in his image. There is not a single woman in the Bible who was perfect. Rahab and Mary Magdalene were prostitutes. Ruth was a widow from a pagan nation. The woman at the well had been divorced five times. Mary was too young, and Elizabeth was too old. But what did they all have in common? Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Rather than this be a godliness diagnostic test, let the story of the Proverbs 31 woman be a reminder of how you can encourage and provide space 
resources and time for the women in your life to strengthen their relationship with God. I have to give a shout out to my husband because he has allowed that in different seasons and areas of our life. I go to a weekly Bible study. Once a month, we have PBL at our house most of the time. Um, even today, speaking and, you know, like preparing for the women's retreat, I, I had to kind of reframe this. And so allowing time this past week to focus on that has allowed my relationship to grow stronger with God. Now, men, this is the best investment that you could ever make in any relationship, but specifically your marriage. Allowing that time, that resource, that space. Again, what that looks like will be different for every person, right? And, and lastly, this does go for everyone. Before you start trying to diagnose anyone in your life, a self-diagnosis is always the best first step. We always need to check ourselves first before we start trying to assess and diagnose other things in people's lives. Is this a checklist of expectations? No. Golly, I hope not. <laughs> if, this, if, if any woman in your life follows this checklist, they're going to crash and burn. I mean, this woman doesn't sleep, right? She rises early and her light does not go out at night. That's tough, you know, and... As women, we go through seasons like that in our life, you know. If, I know Michelle's experiencing that right now to some degree, you know. So um, it can't be something that is a checklist of expectations. Rather, it's a checklist of ways you can, again, encourage and praise your wife and the work that, that she does perform. Now, I know I've spoken mostly to the women this morning, but the historical target audience for Proverbs 31 is actually men. I hope you guys are paying attention. Uh, this is written to you. Author Rachel Held Evans writes that in her research for her book, A Year of Biblical Womanhood, she learned that in the Jewish culture, men memorize this chapter as a song of praise to the women in their lives, specifically singing it to them every Sabbath. Y'all need to step up your game. Honestly, I can't wait to get a call from Michelle that, like, Zach took this literally and went home and sang Proverbs 31 to her. I am just waiting for it. The author of Proverbs 31 Woman is essentially showing us what wisdom looks like in action and how to celebrate that. So what does your love song look like to the women in your life, to your wife, to your mothers, to your sisters, to your children, to your daughters? What does that look like? Husbands, your wives are precious, more valuable than rubies. She is unique, rare, a resource of great value that should not be wasted or treated carelessly. She is clothed with fine linen and purple, the color of royalty, a representation of her heritage in Christ. She's a daughter of a king who does not consider any work that must be done as a job that is beneath her. 
Please don't abuse that. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Yes. But here's the best takeaway for men from this passage. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. This is the kind of compliment that speaks to a woman's heart.